Uh, one day people will learn to listen to me, to listen to reason and withhold judgment until the facts come out. This is the updated truth about Ahmad Arbery. And new video has emerged and we will get into what that means. But I have been tussling on Twitter and other places for the last day or two. And I'm going to present to you what I've learned about the common objections and how at least I would respond to them. Okay, so the video has been released of Ahmad Arbery, who, of course, was supposedly, you know, according to the narrative, jogging through the neighborhood and then shot down by two good old boys in a stereotypical Confederate flag, don't tread on my pickup truck while he was minding his own business. Well, first of all, the video has emerged. You may remember this from my first Truth About Ahmad Arbery video. This is the house that is renovated, under construction. It's hard to say. Some people have said, oh, he was just looking at the foundations of a building. No, this is a closed-in, mostly closed-in building. The owner, who's in very bad health, lives some time away. Uh, he has this on his bucket list to finish, but he's not got round to it yet, and he's facing a rather horrific time of things at the moment with death threats and protests outside of his house, and you name it. So this is house is there, and Ahmad Arbery strolls up. He's not running. He's not running. He strolls up. He walks in. He stays several minutes, about four minutes, it would seem, uh, he, he goes in through the garage, comes out, goes in through another entrance, and then he sees an excited man, this neighbor, on, on his phone, right? And Ahmad Aubrey then sprints away. Okay. So, not jogging. The entire beginning of the incident had nothing to do with jogging. And uh, because you can see inside the house here, I'm not going to play the video, but it's a strange thing. So, you can see the shoes here, the uh, speculation about Timberlands, the speculation about work boots and so on, not the case. Uh, he appears to be in sort of sockless running shoes or something like that. So he's inside the house. Now, what's strange is that he's inside the house for four minutes, give or take. But on the news, all you see is an eternally looped seven seconds. Oh, come on, if you have the video, show the whole video. Why on earth wouldn't you show the whole video? That just seems to me, maybe they don't have the whole video, in which case, why is only a couple of seconds of the video released, but uh, so he's not jogging. He walks up to the house, he goes into the house, he strolls through the house here, and um, what he's doing there, don't know. Don't know. We can speculate, and I'll tell you the bombshell at the end of this presentation, but those are the facts. So we will unravel this together. It's a little bit contradictory, but it can be ironed out. So, of course, as you remember, Gregory McMichael told the police that there'd been a string of burglaries in the neighborhood, and that's one of the reasons he was suspicious. Now, police have reported that there was only one burglary in the neighborhood, but, but let me tell you, it's a little bit of a doozy, and I'll tell you why in a second. Now, according to the Daily Beast, a man building a home in the McMichaels neighborhood said someone stole $2,500 in fishing gear from him earlier this year, but he never reported the theft. Now, that's interesting, right? Now, I assume that this is the, um, the home that Aubrey was uh, inside of when he left and then started sprinting down the street. But, yeah, 2500 bucks, man, that's a lot of fishing gear. That is, uh, that's probably not just a broke fisherman who truly intends to return it. That's like sold, fenced, uh, stolen, you name it, right? So he never reported the theft. Now, there's a really, really important reason for that, which I'll get into in a couple of minutes. Now, the second theft, whew, this 
is pretty wild. When you think of the coincidence of this kind of stuff, the second theft was reported to police by Travis McMichael, right, son of Gregory McMichael, who said a 9mm pistol was stolen January 1st from an unlocked vehicle parked outside his home. Now, what are the odds? Miles and miles separate these two people, but Ahmad Arbery ends up in this neighborhood, and there are concerns about theft, and then a gun goes missing from the son of the chief investigator who investigated Ahmad Arbery. That is a pretty wild coincidence when you think about it. I mean, yeah, okay, six degrees of Kevin Bacon and all of that, but wow, that's, uh, that would give you some reason to be concerned, to put it mildly, right? Because the guy's around, and this is probably one of the reasons also why they thought he might be armed. Now, let's look at the law again. I'm not a lawyer. This is just what I've read. I'll put the links to it below. So Ahmad Arbery entering the building is not considered uh, a burglary per se, the house under construction and so on. It's still a dwelling, but uh, I get all of that. He did commit criminal trespass by entering the property without permission. Now, if he did intend to steal or did steal something, it goes to first degree, first degree burglary, which is a felony. And this is all very interesting. Now, I want to talk for just a second because, you know, I try to dangle a little old philosophy into the water here. Ooh, let's extend the fishing stories. So a lot of people were like, oh, you know, if he stole, it could give him the right, but he didn't steal, therefore it didn't give him the right, them the right to perform the citizen's arrest and so on. Look, it's two talking points that the moment they come up, I just completely glaze over and assume that I'm dealing with somebody whose brain has been largely filled with pudding or porridge. Now, when people say... Ah, but it turned out he didn't steal anything. Ah, but it turned out he wasn't armed. Unless you can tell me the exact price of Apple stock tomorrow, I don't care what your 2020 hindsight tells you. We all have to make decisions in the moment without the infinite knowledge of predetermined facts that come flowing down through the passage of time. We all have to make decisions in life based upon the fog of war. And so everyone who's like, ah, but it turns out, just tune them out. Tune them out. It's like saying, ah, well, it turns out that somebody was uh, found not guilty, so there's never any reason to arrest anyone. It's like, you don't know that ahead of time. That's the whole point where there has to be this kind of process. And even like people I like, people I respect, there's Tim Poole, who I like. I'm not sure he's really embracing the ball too well, but I liked him. But even he is saying stuff like, trespassing should not warrant a death sentence. And that's the second point where it's really, really hard to take people seriously. Look, Ahmad Arbery was not shot for trespassing. He was not shot for stealing. He was not shot for jogging. He was not shot for being black. He was not shot for running. He was not shot for being in a white neighborhood. He was not shot for any of these things at all. And it's specious sophistry to even hint otherwise. Nobody gets a death sentence for trespassing at all. I mean, legally, right? Ahmad Arbery was shot, and we don't even know who pulled the trigger. But how did he end up getting shot? Because he trespassed? No. Because he ran? No. Because he was in a white neighborhood? Because he was jogging while black? No, 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 no. Ahmad Arbery ended up getting shot for one reason, and one reason only. That he charged a man armed with a shotgun, punched him, and attempted to wrestle the shotgun from him, which gave Travis McMichael, the perfect right of self-defense, according to the DA, according to senior legal counsel, according to cops who reviewed it, according to do, 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 right? So please, anybody who says, 
he was shot for trespassing. You shouldn't have to die just because you were jogging. You shouldn't have to die just because you were running. Uh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's, it's um, I don't know, are you playing to the crowd? Are you trying to appease the mob? <laughs> Trust me, it ain't gonna work. So someone saw Aubrey in the house before that person called 911. And then Aubrey is hauling ass as um, Gregory McMichael says, as he goes past Gregory McMichael on his lawn. And so Gregory McMichael hears about this and goes in pursuit with his son of Aubrey. Now, there's a lot of other confusion around this. I saw this on Twitter all over the place. Ah, but you had two rednecks chasing him down, armed and so on. It's like, having a gun on your person is not the same as brandishing it, of, of pointing it at someone, of, of threatening them with the gun, which is illegal um, in Georgia as most sane places, right? So this idea that they were somehow using their weapons in a threatening manner in order to get compliance out of Aubrey is nowhere supported in the video that I can see. Now, maybe there's other videos, maybe there's other eyewitness statements we'll see over the course of the trial. There's no place in the video where you see Travis McMichael raise or point the shotgun or that I can see um, uh, Gregory McMichael holding out any kind of weapon or anything like that. So them being armed is not the same as them being threatening. And according to what I've seen, you kind of have to carry openly the shotgun in Georgia. Um, So let's look at the statute, or this is a description of the statute, and I'll put the link below. Carrying long guns. Long guns may be carried without a valid weapons carry license. So long as an individual is not prohibited from possessing firearms, which Travis was not, he or she may carry the firearm in any authorized location without a weapons carry license. The long gun may be carried either openly or concealed so long as it is unloaded, meaning no round in the chamber. If the firearm is loaded, it must be carried openly and in a, quote, fully exposed manner but it can still be carried without a license, right? Now, I don't know the status of a concealed permit. I'm not sure how useful a concealed permit is for something as big as a shotgun, but as far as I understand this, it means that, of course, Travis was holding his shotgun shotgun because you're not allowed to hide it. And holding a shotgun, even while yelling at someone, is not the same as pointing your gun at them. As far as I understand it, that is not even on the same, it's not like a worse thing or a better thing. It's just not in the same category at all. And so this idea that, well, you know, he was holding a shotgun and he was shouting orders, I get that that might be alarming, but as far as the law goes, you're actually, you, you're in a worse situation legally if you're not holding the shotgun, but you have one. And you have access to one. If you're not visibly showing the shotgun, that's a bad thing. It must be carried, says this, openly and in a fully exposed manner. So, oh, and I wanted to mention one other thing as well. The, um, the owner of the house that Aubrey was in has said that nothing was stolen and so on. I personally think, again, that's kind of fear because uh, of, of crowds and so on, but he did, he did say that. Let's get into the family. This is from District Attorney Barnhill that I quoted fairly extensively from in the last presentation. And let me tell you why I'm pointing this out. So look, we do have two guys, you know, they've got their faults, you can call them impulsive and so on, right? This is um, Gregory and Travis McMichael. You have two guys who have no history of problems with the law, right? Squeaky clean. And, you know, one of them, I don't know what Travis done, is not sort of noted or recorded. I don't know. Uh, I did ask this on Twitter, didn't get any clear answers. 
what uh, Ahmed Arbery did for a living. I've not really heard much about that. Did seem to have some pretty nice kicks. But so I'm quoting this because you've got two guys on the squeaky clean side of the law. One, of course, who'd been in law enforcement for what more than three decades, right? Since 1985 as a cop. Uh, I've heard a couple of things which we'll get into. So you've got one squeaky clean side of the equation doesn't prove innocence at all, right? These are just facts to bring into bed. This is what D.A. Barnhill is talking about with regards to Ahmad's family. He says, quote, this family are not strangers to the local criminal justice system. From best we can tell, Ahmad's older brother has gone to prison in the past and is currently in the Glynn jail without bond awaiting new felony prosecution. It also appears a cousin has been prosecuted by D.A. Johnson's office. Ahmad, the deceased, had a juvenile and adult felony record. In that regard, given the connection between myself and my son and my son having worked with Greg McMichael for several years and now known that he and Greg McMichael both helped with the previous prosecution of Arbery, I believe it is in the best interest of justice to recuse both myself and my office from this particular investigation. So it is, um, there's a lot of crime in the family, according to D.A. Barnhill. This does not, of course, and I, you know, I hate having to say this kind of stuff, but I really, really want to be clear. It doesn't mean, of course, that Ahmad is, is a criminal or in this situation or is in the wrong or was definitely stealing, but uh, it is something to take into account when weighing the need to wait for evidence, right? Because this, you know, look, older brothers can be very influential on people's lives. A family culture can be very influential on people's lives. And... It does speak to the origins of this young man. And I'll tell you something, too. Like, seeing the picture from, I think it's his high school picture where he's got the tux on, right, uh, uh, Ahmad Arbery, and then seeing, you know, some years later, his, his sort of hardened, cold face uh, with the mugshot and so on. And, you know, it's funny. You look for Google, you look for Ahmad Arbery mugshot, and all you see is the mugshots of the uh, McMichaels. But it's really tragic. Like, it's really sad whatever happened to that young man, because, you know, he did have kind of fresh face and, and positive look on life and then just, you know, hardened stone face stuff that happened later. It's really sad. It really sad. That sort of remind me of the sadness. I did a whole podcast on, on how terrible it was, what happened to Freddie Gray and, and uh, all of that. It's just, it's terrible. It's a terrible whatever that can draw people into this life. So let's talk a little bit about the citizen's arrest. So here's the relevant statute. A private person may arrest an offender if the offense is committed in his presence or within his immediate knowledge. Right? So that's really important. Get to that. If the offense is a felony and the offender is escaping or attempting to escape, a private person may arrest him upon reasonable and probable grounds of suspicion. So did the McMichaels have direct knowledge? Well, of course they did. The trespassing had just occurred and they called the police. Right? They called 911, or at least uh, Gregory McMichael called 911. So, yeah, the answer to that is, of course they had, right? Within his immediate knowledge, which is talking to the guy who's pointing, saying, oh, that guy, uh, the black guy was just in the house. So that is immediate knowledge, right? So they certainly had, as far again, you know, maybe there's some weird wrinkle to the law. I'm just telling you, like, what a reasonably intelligent person would I think, understand, trying to stay free of prejudice and just looking at the facts, right? So they are thus authorized to grab and hold a person and they can use force. Now, they can't use excessive force, right? So they can't shoot him, 
right? I know this, you know, it's going to set off all kinds of alarm bells, but they did shoot him. It's like, no, we'll get to that, right? But you can use force in a citizen's arrest. And excessive force is not allowed, which means, I don't know why. I mean, who knows what excessive force? I'm sure that's something that's adjudicated in a court of law, but you are authorized to grab and hold a person and use as much force as is necessary to prevent them from escaping, right? So the, the place that you see citizens arrests quite a bit is in shoplifting, right? Because if somebody darts out the shop, they're going to disappear down the street or disappear into a crowd or whatever it is. So a lot of times you'll be held until the police comes and you can use force to grab and hold a person using the citizens arrest statute. And so here's an important thing, right? So this is from Heavy.com, which is actually kind of a surprisingly good site for these kinds of things. Quote, McMichael 64 previously worked as a police detective and chief investigator for District Attorney Stephen Kelly. According to documents from Brunswick where the shooting took place, he retired from the profession in 2019. Okay, so this is really, really important. Would Gregory McMichael know and understand the conditions required to make a citizen's arrest? Chief investigator, police detective, he'd been a cop. I don't know if he'd worked on the street. I assume so over his 30 plus years on the force. Would he know the conditions necessary to make a citizen's arrest? Now, this doesn't mean he can't be wrong. doesn't mean that it might, they might find out later that, but it's reasonable grounds of suspicion. Did he have reasonable grounds of suspicion to assume that there was a reasonable chance that Ahmed Arbery had taken something from the construction site. Construction sites are notorious for people coming in. They take power tools, they take copper wiring, they take lumber, they take materials, they take whatever, right? And uh, so this is one of the big challenges. And because the owner lived like a long way away uh, from this house, you know, it's not particularly well guarded and so on, right? So you have to ask yourself, would Gregory McMichael know the conditions necessary for him to make a citizen's arrest? And... Would the district attorney also know the conditions necessary for Gregory McMichael to make a citizen's arrest? And would the senior legal counsel who reviewed the case in, uh, well, in the letter that Dunhill sent in, in April, right, they reviewed the case, would the police, would everybody involved who reviewed this at the beginning, including the man who committed the citizen's arrest or tried to, would they know the conditions necessary to make a citizen's arrest more so than you or I or someone out there on Twitter. Now, this isn't saying that it's moral or it's good or it's right. You can question the law. You can do all. But in terms of the rules of the game, was it a legal move? In terms of the rules of a game, was it a legal move? And a wide variety of people with a great deal of expertise. What was it? Dunhill had 36 years of experience. You got 30 plus years from Greg McMichael. And then you got some people on Twitter saying, well, according to my skim reading of the statute it wasn't like come on i mean that's and and of course it was because the media whipped up blah 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 anyway so it doesn't mean that the cops are always right but the question is did he believe that he had the right to make a citizen's arrest based upon significant legal experience right he's not a lawyer but i mean you have to kind of know this stuff if you're you have to know something about the law if you're a cop right so it means that they know the rules, what they can get away with, what is justified under the law. And again, according to the review, he was within his rights. And you arrest based on reasonable suspicion. You don't have to prove, obviously, you don't have to see uh, this young man running out of this house with a fishing box or with a television or with whatever. You don't have to see that. You have to have reasonable suspicion. Maybe it was the baggy cargo pants with side pockets too. I don't know, whatever, right? But did he have reasonable suspicion? Well, sure. 
did he have immediate knowledge? Well, sure, that's why he was on the phone. Because if he didn't have immediate knowledge, given that the theft had just occurred, given that the theft had just occurred, how on earth could he possibly know about it unless he had some sort of immediate knowledge, right? Because here's the thing. If you're going to say a citizen's arrest is giving a citizen basically similar powers to a policeman, right? Now, if a citizen's arrest which passes the barrier of you have immediate knowledge and you have reasonable suspicion. If it passes that barrier, it may be valid, it may be invalid, of course, in a court of law, but if it's invalid, then you're found to be innocent, and I don't know if you're going to have much of a claim against the person who committed the citizen's arrest. In other words, if it turns out that you didn't steal anything, okay, but did he have reasonable grounds to suspect that you did steal something if you were in a house that didn't belong to you for some time, right? Well, yeah, I mean, why else would you be going in? Oh, he's curious. Well, we'll get to that in a sec, right? All arrests where the suspect is found not guilty would result in criminal charges of false imprisonment, whether it's a citizen's arrest, whether it's a cop or whatever, right? So you understand, right? You, you have to, if people pass the barrier of immediate knowledge and reasonable suspicion, then it's a valid citizen's arrest in the same way that if you break a law in front of a cop and he arrests you, it's a valid arrest. That doesn't mean you're guilty. It just means that it is a valid arrest, right? So, and of course, the thing is too, like people are saying, well, they cornered him, they fenced him in, they boxed him in, they cut him off. Okay, but if you want, you got to watch the video. You got to, I mean, I hate to say it because it's a horrible thing to watch. You got to watch the video, right? Ahmad's path was not blocked, right? He was running around the car. You got, like you're running around the right of the car. Travis is on the left. No guns being pointed at him that we can see, right? There's a bit where it waves off and all that. It's quite unfortunate, but uh, it's tough to... I hope he doesn't get dinged for distracted driving because he was filming and driving, but anyway. So uh, Aubrey goes round the truck and has the perfect right to keep running. He could have doubled back. He could have gone to either side. He could have, if he had a cell phone, he could have called. He could have gone up to a house and said, help me, I don't know what's going on. Any number of options. And where you have options when you choose to attack that's a choice. I mean, it's one thing if they've got him cornered in an alley and they're advancing at him, pointing at the guns, then yeah, man, go for it. Self-defense, absolutely. But I cannot see a point wherein guns are brandished at him, pointed at him, and so on. Like you can have a gun open carry, and again, according to the law, the long gun, the shotgun has to be visible. It has to be on full display if it's, if it's loaded, and I assume it was. So then it's not brandishing a gun to tell someone you want to talk to them or you want them to stop while you're holding a gun. That's not brandishing. Again, you have to hold, you have to hold the shotgun. It's not a holster for it, right? It's not like doom. All right. So here's the thing. This is the clincher to me. It's a clincher. And this just came out today. So this is the same house. The same house. And this is two, maybe three, maybe four instances where a guy who looks pretty much like Ahmed Aubrey is in the house prowling around all the way back to October 2019. Come on, people. I mean, look, I get this outrage. I get that if you swallow this horrifying race-baiting narrative of, you know, the good old boys hunting down and shooting a young man in cold blood and execution, I, I mean, I get that's tempting Outrage is, is like an addictive drug. There's something about people that just love being outraged and angry. But come on, people. You explain to me why this young man is continually returning to this house 
week after week, month after month. I assume that the construction is still continuing, which means I think he's hoping that there's stuff in there that he can take. Why is he in there at night? Come on, people. I mean, ugh. I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I know people want to have this race baiting narrative. I'm like, I'm, I'm not at all sorry. I'm really honest. I'm not sorry to take it away from you. I'm not because this stuff is extremely dangerous and people are going to get killed. In fact, there's arguments that uh, this has already happened, right? The sniper attack upon the elderly white couple who were visiting a grave. A black man took aim down a rifle and shot them. So I get that it's real tempting to get to this breathless narrative of outrage and shock and hysteria. But look, look at this. Come on, this is footage of the guy repeatedly in this house at night, all the way back to October and according to the reports that I've seen, things went missing. Again, it's contradictory. I think the guy's been scared and saying, nope, nothing got stolen. I'm not getting involved. Um, but the security cameras, as far as I understand it and what I've read, the security cameras were installed because of concerns about just this, right? So when I think it was Gregory McMichael said that Aubrey had been caught on security cameras... I mean, that's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. Oh, please listen to me. I'm begging you. I'm on my knees begging you. Please listen to me. And if you don't want to listen to me, look at the facts and listen to reason. All right. So let's just put it all together, right? So here's the situation. As far as I see it, speculation, it accords with all the facts. So there's been a string of break-ins, a string of um, things going missing. And so security cameras are installed, particularly in this house, right? Now, what do the homeowners do? Okay, so if you've ever been part of a community, you know who's good at stuff, right? Like, oh, I need to build a shed. Oh, Bob's really good at building sheds. I'm going to go talk to Bob or whatever it is, right? You know your local expert, right? So the local expert on the law, on cops, on crime and punishment was one Gregory McMichael. So the homeowners who were scared of this, who were finding stuff going missing, the, the, the 2500 bucks worth of uh, fishing equipment and so on, they go to Gregory McMichael, right? And they say, here's what I've seen. And they show him the footage, right? Which is, I assume, they'd had their, I don't know, neighborhood watch meeting or they'd sat. And so they show Gregory McMichael the footage. So he's seen this kind of stuff, right? So then he says, I assume, something like this. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah, that's Ahmed Aubrey. Uh, I investigated him not too long ago. He once took a gun to a high school. Uh, an, an officer got injured chasing him down. He stole a television uh, and uh, just walked off, even though it was a probation violation. So, yeah, this guy, he's a known thief, and uh, he also has had a, a weapons charge in the past. Uh, it's, a, it's a little dicey. It's a little dangerous, right? But, right, so what happens? So they say, oh, well, I guess we got to go to the cops, right? Now, I don't know if you've ever gone to the cops because something's been stolen, but you just kind of get a long stare, right? So once I, this is sorry, welcome to little story time for me, right? But once I had a, um, a vacuum cleaner stolen, uh, I was carrying stuff to a car, left a vacuum cleaner by the um, elevator, went to the car, came back, vacuum cleaner was gone. Called the cops, cops said, oh, I don't know, do you have a serial number? <laughs> I would have the serial number for my vacuum cleaner. Even if I did, what are you going to do? He's like, ah, oh, you know, just report it to insurance and whatever. If we see it, we'll be sure to give you a call. And he kind of almost laughed at it, right? Like, come on, right? What are you going to do, right? Because that's the thing, right? Somebody comes and steals something from your garage. 
What do you do? Call the cops. What are they going to do? Do you have any footage? No. Okay. <laughs> if, it, if we come across it, we'll let you know. So, and there's another thing, I think, why Gregory McMichael might have some reason to be cynical, right? Because, man, you taking a gun to a high school, that's some scary stuff, right? High school basketball game. But Ahmed Aubrey had taken the gun and he just got five years probation. Then he violated probation by stealing, by shoplifting, stealing this television I've heard it reported, and nothing happens, right? He's still out wandering around, working around, right? Maybe they don't want uh, excessive statistics uh, on black crime or whatever. It's a topic for another time. I've got a whole presentation called The Truth About Crime. I'll link to it below. You can look at it. But so he says, look, we can't, when we can go to the cops, but nothing is really going to happen. Now, if it was Aubrey who stole the gun from Travis McMichael, now that seems kind of like an odd coincidence to me, to me, that the son of the investigator who investigated Ahmed Aubrey just happens to have a gun stolen from an unlocked truck in front of his house. That's kind of a coincidence. Obviously, it could be uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon and all of that, but if it was Aubrey who stole the gun from Travis, which they may have thought about, given that he was a known criminal to, to them, then they would have a reason to be scared, right? Which is why they got their guns when they were going to go and um, execute the citizens' arrest. That's an unfortunate choice of phrase, but you know what I mean, right? And it's true. It's an unlocked truck in a mostly white neighborhood. That's kind of important. That's kind of the level of trust that's going on there, right? So my guess is that Greg says, look, I mean, you can go to the cops. Not really much is going to happen. The only way that we're going to be able to do something about Ahmed Arbery is we got to catch him in the act. So, man, just, you know, hey, if you're out in your yard, just, just keep an eye on that house across the street. Just half an eye out. That's all I'm saying, right? We, we, the only way that the cops are going to be able to do anything with Ahmed Arbery is we got to catch him in the act, right? So that's my guess as to the conversation that happened. Again, we'll find this out over the course of the trial. So then what happens? Well, they catch him in the act. So the neighbor says, oh my, we, we saw him. He's, he's in the house right now. Oh, call one and one, man. We're going to go and we're going we're to catch him now. We catch him in the act. You know, it's kind of blurry. They don't know what kind of quality camera they're going to get, what kind of quality footage they're going to get. So they try to catch him in the act. And the other thing, too, is that, again, Greg knows the law, right? Gregory McMichael knows the law. And so what his concern is, is this. His concern is that they catch Ahmed Aubrey in the act. And then Ahmed Aubrey takes off, right? And fleeing when someone says, hey, what are you doing in that house you're not authorized to be in, that it's illegal for you to be in, the moment you sprint, that's reasonable suspicion because why are you sprinting? What you're sprinting is so that you can dump what you stole, if you stole anything, right? You would be sprinting so that you could, you know, throw it in a sewer and, you know, hit that it clown or whatever, right? So you, you, and, and we know this in the past that Ahmed Aubrey... Uh, went and hid the gun when he was running in 2013 after he was found with the gun at the high school basketball game, right? So he runs and he gets rid of evidence, right? Because, you know, if you come from a family where there are a whole bunch of criminals, as seems to be the case, they're going to teach you their unholy way, so to speak, right? So Ahmed Aubrey is running. Now, why is he running? So that he can dump stuff. Now, you can see in the video that there's two things on the road. Hard to see what they are, but maybe he did take something from the house and but he's he's running and he's going to dump it now 
So here's what's going to happen if they don't catch him before he can dump things, right? So he's going to say, hey, man, I was just curious. I was just looking in the house and it's a misdemeanor and nothing's going to happen to the guy, right? They have to catch him with the stolen goods on him if he stole something. So that's why, in my view, again, I'm just telling you what I think, how it kind of plays out. So they then say, okay, this guy, we have to catch him in the act. Oh, my God, he's doing it. We got to catch him before he dumps all of his stuff. Or at least we have to see him dumping it, which is why they're so desperate to keep sight on him, right? Because if they see him dumping stuff on the road, then they can say, oh, yeah, no, he stole. We followed him. And this is, we saw him throwing it. And here's the stuff on the road. So if there is, in fact, stuff on the road, that's another reason why Aubrey might have felt cornered. And now he's, he's toast, right? So I think that's the sequence that plays out. And what is this all about? This is all about the institutional failure of the court system in Georgia. Like, you, you can look at these particular acts and you can say, oh, well, this guy and that guy should have decided. First of all, hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's the most boring thing in the world. Like, it's literally, it's as annoying as when somebody doesn't sell at the peak of something, some stock or whatever, and, uh, and they sell, I don't know, 20% down, and you go back and you say, hey, man, you know, you really should have sold at the peak. And it's like, yeah, but nobody knows, right? I know it's a silly analogy, but you understand, this, like, hindsight stuff is just... People are trying to appear smart because they have infinitely more information based on the passage of time than the people actually trying to make decisions in the moment. The institutional failure is, I mean, it's wide and deep and big and, and all of that, uh, but, uh, I mean, it's uh, whatever's going on with the welfare state. You know, the mom always seems to have a different name, uh, bad educational systems, bad job opportunities, mass immigration driving wages down for uh, poor and minority communities. We've got uh, courts not enforcing the law because they're probably afraid of being called racist if the stats for black crime are too high and, and getting investigations from Obama's blah, 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 when he was in power. So there's a lot of, of things that are going on here that result in this kind of situation. And just trying to ding all of this stuff on one thing, one person, one event, one decision, you got to zoom out, man. You got to zoom out. This is the chance, you know, with this kind of horrible situation we can either just be set against each other, which is kind of what the media wants, you know, black against white and rich against poor. I mean, just always, always, always sowing seeds of division and hatred because, you know, um, crime gets them clicks and outrage gets them clicks. And it's horrifying. This is why they love war. They love war overseas because everyone tunes in. They love war at home because everyone tunes in and everyone gets outraged and they basically, you know, profiting off uh, blood. It's uh, absolutely horrible. It's a weird alchemy of turning blood into horrifying gold. But anyway, so we have to really look at much deeper and wider roots. What can we get out of this horrible death? What can we get out of this horrible death? We can start looking at the bigger institutions that lead up to this kind of stuff and stop pretending that everybody's just making decisions in isolation and there's no history and there's no prior knowledge. And anybody who's talking about this who doesn't even know that Gregory McMichael knew Ahmed Arbery deeply and significantly in the past. And I believe Ahmed Aubrey also knew Gregory McMichael because a lot of time investigators will interview uh, suspects and so on. Anybody who doesn't even know that deep history, oh man, just, just move on. They're just hacks. They're just propaganda merchants. And, you know, we can indulge in this kind of addiction of outrage and hatred. But, uh, you know, the old saying, man, you, you reap what you sow. And let's, let's stop before it's too late, okay? Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon.